Alright, welcome back to another episode of Fast Break Lip NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I am back. I know. I've been I, I've been out for a while. Um, you know, life life just, you know, life just tosses you like tosses you things and you know sometimes you just don't find the time to do the things that you really get to enjoy um i have been doing Knicks post game if you are wondering if i'm still doing any type of nba content this year and i will plug that at the end of today's episode but i am back here to talk about the nba season wrapping up and with me i got with me my boy romp romp say what's up to the people What's up? I I like how you said you haven't been doing things you enjoy. And then you were like, I have been doing Knicks post games though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm enjoying them. I mean, I am enjoying them from a, a, a perspective of like making content, like basketball content, and getting to talk about my favorite team, even though they've been pathetic this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I do enjoy making content. So like having to still be able to do that has been enjoyable. Um, but yeah, um. So, Romp, let's let's get into some NBA talk. We got a lot to cover. I've been out for a month. And, you know, this past month has been very interesting. I mean, the month of March was filled with a lot of high-scoring affairs with, like, te- a lot of players just dropping 50 and, 50 and 40 balls all over the place. I mean, um, the playing race got really heated there for a moment in the West. Um, and in the East, it's still pretty kind of, like, pretty good right now. But yeah, I mean, first I do want to talk about the top teams in the East. As of right now, the standings are I think Miami is first. Yeah. Then we do have um in second place. We do have, I believe, the Celtics. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the Celtics for a minute. Um amazing turnaround led by Ime Yudoka. Um, should be a leading candidate for coach of the year. We will get into awards later on in the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, how how you feel about the Celtics being the second seed? Um, I was actually high on them before the season, but I was wrong because I thought Dennis Schroeder would help them, but he did not. And then when they got rid of him, it kind of turned the season around. But they just have like a lot of switchable players, and it seems like Jason Tatum's taking that next step as a playmaker. And he's being more aggressive. He's not settling as much as he used to for those contested step-back jumpers. And then Jalen Brown's doing his thing, but their defense is scary. The only thing that scares me about them is Robert Williams was a big a big um, piece to their defensive success. And since he's out, I don't know if he's coming back. That could hinder them against like the really good teams later in the playoffs. Yeah, that is that is very concerning right there. Robert Williams is out with a torn meniscus. The the timetable hasn't really been determined yet, but it is expected for him to miss at least that first round of the playoffs. Um and maybe the second round, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, yeah, he was a big part of their 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 um their defense. Not only was he a great rim protector, but he could also like stay out on guards on the perimeter as well to a decent degree. And you know, that's always key when you can have a big guy do that. And he was healthy for most of the season, which was one of the keys to their defense because in years past, he's always been a great defender, but he was never really someone that was consistently on the court for them because he was always dealing with some type of nagging injury. Um, and even late into the play- even late into the playoffs last year when they faced Brooklyn in the first round, I believe he was dealing with um, turf toe 
Um, so like he's always been dealing with some type of nagging injury. And this year was the first year that he consistently was on the court. And that really helped them. Um, Ime Udoka really helped them found this defensive identity. All of them have bought in. Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, earlier in the season, Marcus Smart was one of the people that was calling out Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And it seems like they're all on one accord now. And like it just feels like everything is going smoothly for them. And they've they've probably had one of the best in season turnarounds I've ever seen in recent NBA history. Like I've never seen a team go from like yeah, I was basically like yeah, basically from like the eleventh or twelfth seed to like the two seed all in one season, like in the same season. Usually that takes like an off season and then the next season the team bounces back, but like to bounce back in season is pretty remarkable. Um, we do got at three the Bucks. At four, your 76ers who recently traded James Harden. I did speak about the James Harden trade on my last episode. Um, and then at five, we got the Raptors. I mean, shout out to Toronto. Um being able to bounce back after last year. Um, no Kyle Lowry this year, but they still managed to um get the five seed. No true center, no real depth yeah. really either. Like they really play like like seven to eight guys that are actual NBA players, I would say. Um, and like they've had a litany of in- injuries throughout the season with OG and Obi mm-hmm. missing time. Um, but yeah, how do you how do you feel about the, the Toronto Raptors season so far? They're they're a weird team. I will say that. Like I don't they're just they're feisty. And I feel like in the NBA, if you're a team who plays hard and is well coached like they are, you're going to win games. Mm-hmm. But I think um, Scotty Barnes has been very impressive. And I think he's, I mean, he's my rookie of the year, to be honest, just because he does a lot for that team and he's handling more than he should have to. And then Fred Van Fleet took an, another step in his game um, before he got injured. OG Ananobi's been injured, right? Yeah. He recently came back, but he's been in and out of the lineup too. So, like, I don't know. They're just a a well-coached team. You know, they get it done defensively. They're not going to get out-rebounded. It kind of reminds me of the Knicks last year, you know? I was just about to say they're, like, similar to the Knicks last year, but they have more established pieces on their team. Like, they still have some pieces from their their (laughs) championship roster, like OG, Pascal, and Fred. And Pascal's had a great season this far. He's bounced back from all the um, slander that he's received last year from Raptors fans. So it's good to see players bounce back on um on teams. Funny enough, it's very similar to the Knicks in that way as well. Um I don't want to speak on that situation by the way, but uh yeah, it's good to see um it's good to see the um Raptors back in in the playoff fold. You know they're going to make things interesting. Yeah. Um especially if they face your Sixers who we are finding uh... out with T Stiebel is not vaccinated. So <laughs> Dude, it's <laughs> weird cuz he was reported vaccinated. Either he's not, or they're covering someone else up. That's the know. rumor. It's, it's, a, it's a it's a weird Sixers situation with, with with the Sixers and the in the Celtics. Honestly, I would not mind because Toronto <laughs> would take advantage of Matisse Thybul on the court and just triple team Embiid because they're like the one team that guards Embiid at half court for no reason. They're <laughs> they're like annoying. Also, shout out to Precious Achua because. He's yeah, he like uh, up his game shooting threes now randomly. Yeah. It's always good to see these guys, you know, elevate their game, take the game to the next level, make sure they're not like one dimensional. Um, 
So in the East, we do have to speak on a couple teams that have been have been looking a little fraudulent in the light. Um, one one team is that um Chicago Bulls. They are the sixth seed currently as we speak. Um, they start off the season pretty hot, you know. And you know, I had to like kind of eat crow a little bit earlier in the year because you know I was one of those people that was a non-believer, rightfully so it seems, in the off season about like what they were about and what they were going to do this year. And I was like, you know, they'd probably be close to a playing team, which they kind of are at this point. Um, but yeah, I didn't believe in the Bulls because I was like, I didn't believe in DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan kind of proved me wrong for the regular season. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's always a regular season guy. So like no, no real surprise there. Um, I didn't think they were going to be able to beat good teams. What do you know? They're two and twenty versus the top eight in the league. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, they they're relying on guys like Lonzo, who's who hasn't played more than like sixty three games in the season before, um, and Vucevic, who just gave up twenty eight points to Brook Lopez, um, a thirty what 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 is he like thirty three thirty four years old Brook Lopez? They gave up twenty eight points to him. Um, I mean. It's just like all goes to say, like, the season is long. And like Bulls fans, they were pretty hyped up in the beginning of the year. They thought it was gonna be their year. Um, but you know, things come crashing down real quickly in a in an eighty two game season. So I'm glad to know that I was right in my <laughs> beliefs in them. But yeah, how'd you how'd you feel about the Bulls season so far? Um, I liked them in the beginning of the year. I never understood the Vucevic trade. Never really made sense to me. No one ever will. You know, he sucks defensively. He's mid offensively. <laughs> and Zach Levine, man, I think he just isn't that good, to be quite honest. Like, I don't know. He he seems like a six man to me. Is is that crazy to say? Would you max I'm, Zach Levine? I would not max Zach Levine. He does, he does nothing for me. I mean, besides like score, but he doesn't play defense. He's he doesn't drive enough, in my opinion. He's not aggressive. Settles for contested jumpers too much. That was my problem with them earlier in the season. I was like watching them play, and I was like, they rely way too much on ISO ball, way too much. Yeah, and eventually and relies too much on ISO butt. ball. Yeah, any team that relies too much on ISO ball is always going to be um, very interesting. I'll I'll mm-hmm. say that. But um, Zach Levine is very is a very um, I think he's a polarizing player for people to like discuss in terms of like value because like this is the first time he's on a team that's like a winning team, and um, their team construction is very weird. Oh like, yeah, it is weird. Looking um, at it, it's weird. Yeah, like, they don't really have a point guard. I mean, Lonzo's, like, technically the point guard, but, like, he's not a traditional point guard, and, like, they don't really use him as a traditional point guard. Like, they kind of, like, play the point guard or playmaker or lead ball handler position by committee between – when he was healthy, it was, like, between him, Caruso, um, DeRozan, and Zach Levine, and they all took turns, like, basically being – the lead ball handler and the lead playmaker in different um, sets and situations. So, yeah, it's really hard to um, – I, I never really like to um, 
really like um put a cap on guys um value um unless you see them in like um playoff situations um and we see last year like certain players that struggled in the playoffs it was an omen to their teams um not to pay them or not to prioritize them in the way that they should have yes i'm speaking on my new york knicks um but yeah, I mean, I don't think Zach. I think Zach's game is like translatable to the playoffs, so I won't say that he'll struggle. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just like it's hard to um, quantify. For me, at least, it's hard to quantify someone's value until I see how they are in a playoff situation. So I, I won't yeah, say needs, that I will max him. But yeah, he definitely guard. needs someone to get him easier looks, and I think that's part of the reason why they got DeRozan and Caruso and Lonzo. But, I mean, with Lonzo out, with Caruso dealing with injuries, and him and DeRozan basically having to just, like, do all the scoring, and, like, with no one to really facilitate for them. I mean, Io does a good job sometimes, but, like, it's not a consistent thing with Io as well because they don't really let him be the lead ball handler all the time, too. So, it's a very weird situation over there in Chicago, and that's part of the reason why I didn't believe in them because that roster construction just was not like moving me really, and I mean, it proved to be right in the end. Yep, I think you were right. They're probably going to get swept in the first round against I mean, the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, right now they're matched up against the Bucks, which is a horrible matchup for them. I mean, Giannis will have his way with um, Vooch in the paint. I mean, he didn't. The last game, I mean, last game he had like 18, but like Brooke Lopez had his way. So, I mean, if Brooke Lopez could have his way, then Giannis on a Giannis in a playoff setting will definitely do what needs to be done. Um, and then Chris Middleton, we'll see what happens there. I mean, usually he does well against the Bulls. Drew, he'll do his thing. I, for the Bucks, I'm not really worried about them in the postseason, to be honest. Um, they do have their things that they need to worry about. Like, is Chris Middleton going to be consistent? Or is Drew gonna look like he did last year in the playoffs? Because against like, the Nets, against <laughs> the Nets, yeah. Because like against the oh. Nets in that series, he was absolutely. That was they're so lucky they got past that series <laughs> with what was going on. Yeah, I can't I mean, believe they got past it. Yeah, Drew looked pathetic in that series, and the fact that they got past that series and were able to win the championship. I mean, that's that's a credit to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the East, another team that kind of looks shaky in the light. There's a, there's like two more teams that look shaky in the light. There are your 76ers and they are also the Miami heat. There was a stretch. I'll get to the Sixers in a minute, but there was a stretch. I really wish I recorded this pod during that stretch where Miami was losing to your shorthanded Sixers with no Joel Embiid and no James Harden. The shorthanded Warriors with no Steph Curry, and I forgot who else was out. I think Draymond was out that game, I think, or or not. I believe so. Um, and then they, they lost to my Knicks, who came back against them <laughs> with that was um crazy. And that, that was a, it was a great game. Um thanks to our young core of RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. RJ Barrett actually struggled that game which was one of the key things that was to take away and why it looked even worse for Miami to lose that game. But um, shout out to Obi Toppin. Shout out to Emmanuel Quickly, Deuce McBride, um, 
and Quentin Grimes and Jericho Sims for all doing a great job on the Miami Heat in that fourth, that third and fourth quarter to close that game out. And like that was part of a rough stretch for Miami where a lot of people were questioning like there was there was there was a there was like two games in that in that three game stretch where Tyler Hero didn't play and like it was really evident that Miami's offense was really reliant on Tyler Hero and we saw in that 76ers game against your 70 shorthanded second against your shorthanded 76ers where guys like Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, hacking that dude, Georges Niang just all attacking Tyler Hero <laughs> and that's just like a preview of what teams are going to do in the playoffs. And the Heat have a bunch of guys like that where like they rely on them for offense and defensively, it's just like big old question mark because it's like, how are you going to hide those dudes? And it's like, yeah, they got PJ Tucker. They got Bam. They got Jimmy. They got Kyle. But like when they need offense or when they need like self-creation, who's going to do it besides Tyler Hero in those lineups? So... Yeah, I mean, how, how you how do you feel about the Heat heading into the postseason? Because a lot of people are down on them, and like they seem to be potentially matched up with either a Cleveland, Brooklyn, or Atlanta in the first round, depending on how the playing shakes out. So, how you feeling I'm about down them? on them? Um, I'm I'm down on them, but I'm not out on them. Okay. I think they could, I think they could surprise some people just because they have a lot of defense but at the end of the day if jimmy butler or tyler heroes your number one source of scoring i mean something's probably gonna go wrong and it seems like the chemistry of the heat culture is gone <laughs> um i wish bam at a bio would kind of turn the cor- corner offensively but it seems like he hasn't um and then they just have a bunch of defensive liabilities like Duncan Robinson, who can't shoot anymore, really. I mean, he can every now and again, but every time I bet on him, he can't. Um, <laughs> I feel Tyler, you there. Tyler, Tyler Hero can't play a lick of defense. I mean, Max Struess is probably going to see more playing time than Duncan Robinson in the playoffs, which is just crazy to say because of that contract, but. It's just I don't know. They're 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 offensively limited and teams like if they face the Nets and Katie and Kyrie are hot, uh, I don't know how how they're gonna be able to keep up with them with Jimmy Butler. I don't know, he's not the same Jimmy Butler like from the Sixers, unless he's saving it for the playoffs. I'm watching Jimmy Butler get cooked by the Sixers without um Joel Embiid and James Harden. I'm like, this ain't the same dude who was going head to head with Kawhi. So like, I don't know. I'm concerned, but I could see you know them turning turning it around in the playoffs, and maybe Jimmy Butler was saving his offense for the playoffs. But eh, I doubt it. I mean, with um with Bam, I feel like um like I was speaking with a Heat mutual on um on timeline a couple weeks ago. And he was like basically like they used to run more stuff for Bam, but like as of late, it's just become more like Jimmy Butler centric, which Heat fans I don't think they're happy with because they feel like Bam is like obviously the future of the team. And if he's showing stuff offensively, like why not just continue to play through him and 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 and, and see how that success plays out that way with during playoff times, like you have more avenues of offense. But he said they went away from that and they, he just doesn't understand why they went away from that. And it's Maybe very interesting. Saving it. 
Maybe they are saving it for the postseason, but it's like, why not get the reps (laughs) now so that way during postseason it becomes even easier? But, of course, you don't want teams to scheme for it, so maybe there's that angle to it as well. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I could see it, but we'll see. We'll see. A lot of people are down on them. I don't know if people are completely out on them, but I'm also one of those people that's down on them. Like, they just they just scream like a team that's gonna get exploited. Um, like teams are really gonna hunt like those those shooters in in the playoffs. And then um, last year, like that um, playoff series by the Bucks was just embarrassing. Yeah, Giannis didn't even you know, play well. That, like that was that was over in two games, and they pretty much just quit on the floor for the last two games. So that kind of scares me as well. Yeah, and they got the, when they had success, it was in the bubble and we know the bubble wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that the bubble wasn't real. And yeah, I mean, that's the last time we really saw this team look like a like fully functioning unit. Because like, like you said last year, I mean, Giannis didn't even play his best. And Giannis struggled like from for Giannis's standards, he struggled in that series and the Bucks had their way. Which was very concerning. Yeah, Bryn Forbes scored more than Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was extremely embarrassing. Um, but yeah, we'll see what they do this year. They are the one seed. Um, there is the one seed curse that um, looms over teams in the East. I believe that every single year the team in the East um, somehow gets eliminated before, like I think either the Eastern Conference Finals um, since um, 2011. So. Yeah. That's good to know for betting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot. It was either they don't advance to the Easter Conference Finals or they don't, they don't advance to the finals. But either way, the, the one seed, you are not looking at, um like. I think it's both conferences, too. It's both? I believe. I, I'll have to look or back into it. Just the winner of the championship hasn't been a one seed in a bit. Because I remember seeing something like that. Like, one seeds don't win for some reason. Mm. Okay, so it is in the Eastern Conference. I just found it on Reddit. It is the one seed. Since 2008, 2009, the one seed in the East hardly ever makes the finals. 09, it was the Cavs. 2010, it was the Cavs. 11, it was the Bulls. 12, it was the Bulls. Um, 13 was that rare case where it was the Heat. 14, the Pacers. 15, the Hawks were the one seed. Um, 16, it was the Cavs, I believe. They ended up going. Oh, it's only LeBron teams that have made it to the finals in the East as the one seed. Besides those Cavs nice, teams. Nice. So, yeah, he Heat, screwed. They're not looking pretty good. They're screwed. Yeah, so if you're looking for a team to bet against, all those gamblers, all those degenerates out there, if you're looking for a team to fade in the in in the playoffs, it might be the Heat this year. So, be cautious of that. Um, before we get into the plan, because I do want to talk about the plan on both sides, let us move over to. Actually, no. Let's get to the Sixers because we didn't speak on the Sixers. <laughs> Your 76ers, they made a trade for James Harden. Kind of sacrificing some depth, I believe, with like at the center position, especially um, yep. having to opt for DeAndre Jordan in um, the buyout market. God bless. 
God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, first I want to hear how you feel about your Sixers so far before I, t- before I tell the people how I feel because I want to hear how a Sixers fan feels before I maybe go too deep or maybe I'm too tame. So, um, <laughs> I don't think it's the year to be frank, just because her depth is just horrendous. Like we yeah. got Danny Green playing twenty <laughs> minutes, and that dude looks like he's so slow. Like the fact we're a top ten defense is like how are we a top ten defense with Danny Green playing real minutes? Tobias Harris is slow. Everyone is slow on the Sixers, <laughs> and then of course. Daryl Morey, the dummy, he's like, let's go get DeAndre Jordan so Doc Rivers doesn't play any young guys because Doc Rivers refuses to play Paul Reed or Charles Bassey at the backup, which would 100% be better than DeAndre Jordan. So, like, our depth is bad. James Harden is, he's fine, but he's not, he's not his scoring what he used to be. He likes to dribble too much. And Tyrese Maxey should be featured in the offense more than he is. And hopefully they realize that come playoff time because James Harden does attract a lot of attention, especially in the pick and roll with Joel Embiid. So if they just let Maxey, you know, operate more than he does, he could go off and that will really take some pressure off of Embiid. But right now, I mean, it's just Joel Embiid has to do pretty much anything. He has to anchor the defense he has to score like 30 points a game and teams are going to double him and if you're not hitting wide open shots i mean it's going to be tough in the playoffs so that's my opinion i mean yeah i couldn't have said a bit of myself i mean everyone knows how any anyone that knows me at this point i even if you've been listening to the pod if you've been listening to the pod for even just a little while you know how I feel about James Harden. I despise the man. I I cannot stand him. Him and his his followers. I just I can't stand them. So when I saw he was going to the Sixers to team up with playoff aficionado Doc Rivers, I was oh, I just, hate that Doc Rivers. I was just I was just I was just thanking the Lord, man. I was like, man, God loves me, man. Really set me up with this one, like like. Like, this is the perfect setup, man. Like, Doc Rivers, just, like, king of blowing leads in the playoffs. Like, just loves to blow leads like it's his job. And then you got James Harden, who just loves to disappear when the blights are the brightest. I mean, could you ask for a better duo than that? It's Bro, just he's like... already disappeared, and <laughs> every time we play a big game, he has disappeared. I mean, let's talk, let's talk about the Nets game. I don't think I spoke about the Nets game on here, because that was a while ago. But, I mean... Yeah, the Nets game, in, it was in early March. It was the first matchup between the Sixers and the Nets since the big trade. And, I mean, like, it had playoff-like intensity. Like, people were talking about this, like, this was about to be, like, the game of the year. And <laughs> James Harden comes out with a full diaper and just absolutely shit himself. Three and did not know what to do out there. Three of 17 from the field. Meanwhile, Kyrie and KD, they were as locked in as I've ever seen them before. I mean, Kyrie was picking up Kate. Um, Kyrie was picking up Harden from like half court. Like, when have you ever seen Kyrie yeah. pick up anyone from half court? That's that's what I was saying about that game. Like, everyone was on the nets. I was like, 
yeah, their defense was crazy. But do you realize how locked in they have to be to play that type of defense in the playoffs? They're they're not like that. That's not them. Yeah, that's not them. They 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 really them. they really woke up for that that Sixers game. And I think you know James Harden requesting the trade really struck a nerve with them. Um, but I mean, yeah, the Sixers they've been blowing leads like oh, we've still been, we, we've been done that. Like, <laughs> didn't you guys blow a lead to like the Bucks recently? Yeah, because Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers put Paul Millsap on <laughs> on Giannis. So and like went out of the game for like two minutes. No, Doc Rivers always takes Embiid out with like one minute to go, two minutes to go in the third quarter, and he refuses to bring him back until like the seven minute mark or the eight minute mark every game. So coaches, you know, if they're smart, they'll just game plan having their best lineup in when the scrubs are in of the Sixers. So he had Paul Millsap on Giannis, and Giannis had 15 points in like three minutes. And after the game, Joel Embiid was in the press conference, and he was like, yeah, the game kind of switched when I went on the bench. Next time, we should probably match me and Giannis's minutes. And I'm like, why does Embiid have to say that? Like, Why can't we have a competent coach to think, oh, this is going downhill? Let's put Embiid in the game or just, you know, match Giannis's minutes because Giannis went out like early in the fourth quarter then because his minutes were messed up or whatever. So just, just, you know, just adjust. But Doc does not know what adjusting means. And I, I think, um, I kind of think the assistant coaches have been coaching like the last few games because in the second half, Maxi has been handling the ball more mm-hmm. in key games. And that was not happen- happening before. So I kind of feel like the – plus you heard the rumors about the Lakers wanting Doc Rivers. Why would they hilarious. do that? Which is hilarious. Why? It's crazy. <laughs> so it's I feel like the assistant coaches and uh, Daryl Morey, like the writing's on the wall. This is Doc Rivers last year unless we somehow win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here, and, like, you guys recently had, like, a 17-point lead against the Cavs the other day. And oh, yeah, that was yeah. and that was diminished to, like, five for you guys to hang well, on for a four-point win. Yeah, that's only, I mean, 17-point lead, that's, like, five-point lead for us, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that bad. But, like, Joel B was a plus 16 in that game. And yesterday, look at the Pacers game. Uh, we were up by, like, 30. And, um... You know, we won by nine points. But Joel Embiid was a plus 20. And we we were up by like 30. So it's like when Embiid goes out, we are screwed. It's and yeah, it's not even it's not it's not even that. <laughs> it's that Doc Rivers has been employing a lineup through like the third to fourth quarter without Embiid and Maxi. And then he has James Harden running the show, and he moves at like two miles per hour. It's like you can't not have Max here and beat on the court. Like, are you are you dumb? He is dumb. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's what concerns me about this team heading into the playoffs. <laughs> I mean that concerns everybody with this team heading into the playoffs. Is like, what is Doc Rivers going to do? Like, how is he going to stagger? I mean, staggering is a is a, is an issue that. <laughs> That Doc Rivers has a problem with. I mean, not only Doc Rivers. I mean, as a Knicks fan, 
Thibs does not know how to stagger guys either. So I, I I know where you're coming from with that. But we're a bad team this year, so we don't have those like high expectations. But the 76ers, they made a big trade midseason, and they got two quote-unquote superstars, if that's what you want to call James Harden at this point in his career. He is no longer that, in my He's opinion. A star, but barely a star. He's, a star. He's what is barely it? a star at this point with the way his performance has come. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just like what is Doc going to do staggering-wise with the rotations and – how many leads is Docker is going to blow? It's not even about like if he's going to blow a lead, but how many leads is he going to blow this postseason? Because you know one's going to come. He does one almost oh, every yeah. postseason with a team at this point. Um, every game. It's every game now. Yeah. I mean, All I got to say is James Harden's lucky he's good at the the pocket pass in the pick and roll because, man, if he didn't have that, I don't know what he would bring to the table because he can't hit a step back jumper to save his life. Yeah, and I mean, every, he, everything's he, kind of shot for him. Shoot. He can't catch and shoot. He's like, yeah. what do I do? He takes 15 minutes to make a decision. I I do want to say it's funny how, like, I, I know you're probably in the minority in this case, but, like, a lot of people were fooled by those first three games of the Harden era in Philly. Like, you guys oh, beat yeah, I, the I Timberwolves. You were fooled, too? I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I was hyped because I was like, oh, no more Ben Simmons. That was what was getting. Oh, yeah. Me. It was the high of like no Ben Simmons. But like, but the thing is, knew the Harden Nick, was coming back to earth eventually. I mean, the Timberwolves aren't a bad defense, but they played like the way to play Harden now is just switch a big man on him and make him ISO. And most likely it's going to be a break. Nothing good is going to happen. Or or you pass it to Embiid and then they just quickly double. So. It's, I gotta see Harden take advantage of ISOs. It's to even be excited. It's even funnier because like after the two Knicks games, especially that Knicks game where like they shot like seventy free throws or whatever it was, like, <laughs> people were like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the Kobe and Shaq." And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Like that was the two games that really convinced people. And to me, it was just like, "Yeah, this is gonna be ugly, and it's gonna get ugly real quick." And lo and behold, I mean. Every once in a while, like I tune into a Sixers game to um, check the box score at least, and I'm just like, "Wow, James Harden one for eleven, awesome!" Yeah, he. <laughs> uh, we can't resign him if if he <laughs> plays like, like it should have. If Maury wasn't so in love with stars, he should have just went for Tyrese Halliburton and Barnes, and I was. Beforehand, I that would have been a great like depth. That would have been a great depth. Trade imagine Halliburton and Maxi as a backcourt and MB like because there's those two are so fast. They play so fast while Embiid like is slow and methodical because he's a big man. So like you having your- Maxi and Halliburton, it would have been a nice you know yin and yang dynamic. But then Harden, that dude's slower than anyone I've ever seen with the basketball. <laughs> And yeah. he just can't make threes now, consistently. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable that the the downfall of Harden. I mean, it kind of started in um, I mean he, like he started looking chunky in Houston. Got to Brooklyn, people got fooled by the first couple games in Brooklyn. Then they realized what they got in him. Um, and then ever since then, it's kind of been like this is the Harden that this is who Harden is at this point, and like. If you if you're the next team that's gonna like make the move for him, you got to keep in mind like 
you're not going to get that 50 point triple double 60 point triple double james harden anymore like that just that guy just does not exist like mm-hmm. you're you're going to be lucky to get a 30 point double double and 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 like it mm-hmm. and i mean they're just going to have to heading into next season the Sixers are just going to have to keep that in mind with um the depth pieces that they add around those two if they continue to build around um, harden and Embiid. yep just just get consistent players behind MB. That's all you got to do. It's, it doesn't have to be a star because he was he was operating with trash in the beginning of the season, and he was right up there top of the East. So it doesn't have to be a star, Daryl Morey. It's that simple. Yeah. Um. Let's move on to the West because we spent a great deal of time on the East. The West, we got Phoenix Suns with a franchise record 63 wins who just last night were able to eliminate the Lakers from the play-in. So I will have to <laughs> give them uh, a handshake for that. Shout out to the Suns for doing that. Um, made everybody on the timeline happy last night for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty remarkable what they've done this season with and without Chris Paul. Of course, no doubt to Devin Booker, who does have an MVP case who a lot of people like to dispute these days, which is very interesting. Because um, while some of the on-off numbers don't support Devin Booker being uh, the most valuable player, quote-unquote, to the Suns, I mean, he does have the best player on the best team argument, um, averaging about, like, 26-5 on pretty good efficiency. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, nothing really, like, like when you look at other best team on best best player on best team um arguments in the past like a Giannis or a um Steph Curry they've had like astronomical um advanced numbers those don't really come into play with Devin Booker but he's more of like you know get you a bucket type of nice guy um he's pretty good I'm not like for any Phoenix Suns fans out there that are listening not like discrediting anything that he's done this year, but I'm just saying previous best team on best best player on best team guys, their advanced numbers have looked like super crazy as to compared to Devin Booker's, which is like pretty average, which is okay. But like when you, you, when he's competing against the likes of a Tatum or a Giannis or a Embiid or a Jokic this year, I mean, it's very hard. It's very hard to make that case, but he does have a case, though. I will, I will say that. Um, how you feel about Phoenix so so far this year, or how they've been this year altogether? Um, best team in the league, I would say, uh, based on the regular season. Devin Booker, I would say he's like top five MVP case, but he's not MVP yet. Probably next year he'll be a legitimate one, I would say. But he can win Finals MVP with this team, so I mean. Phoenix fans shouldn't be tw- t- um, tripping. Um, but they're just well-rounded. Just everything fits perfectly. DA is um, pretty underrated defensively, and he's just very solid offensively. Mikel Bridges is unbelievable, to be honest DPOY with you. you candidate. Know. Yeah, defensive player of the year. So, And then their bench, their bench is all right. Campaign, he kind of struggled early on, but he's really picking it up lately. He picked it up when CP3 was out. McGee has been very, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, that was a great pickup yeah, by them. Cam Johnson also. I mean, amazing off the bench. So their bench is 
is solid. But the thing that scares me is Chris Paul gives me like James Harden vibes, not like the way you would think, just the way they move and just the way where I think defenders at this point in their career, like if they go up against the Grizzlies or the Warriors athletic teams, um, I think it will be tough to for Chris Paul to get his shot as it uh, compared to as it was in the past. You know, from what I've seen since he's come back from injury, it just seems like he's having trouble getting his shot off. Is that fair? Um, to a to a degree, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, that's true. I think Devin Booker is going to be. He's going to have to be um next next level for them to. I mean, they're so deep. That's the thing. That that's that's true. Because like even like you got Aaron Holiday on the bench, he's been pretty good for them, like pretty solid. Just mm-hmm. like been a solid guard, which is what you need. They got Tory Craig back from last year, who was a very versatile piece. He allowed them to play like small ball, like small ball units against like um teams. Um and then like even like even going as deep as Bismack, who's like their third string. Yeah. And he was pretty good when he was playing backup minutes for them earlier in the year. So it's like they got a pretty deep squad, so like even when like they need to like change things up, I feel like like if certain play style isn't working for them in a series, they can switch it up with like the personnel that they have. Yeah, they're definitely the deepest and best team. But I feel like a lot of mainstream fans are like, "Oh, Chris Paul is like the, the end guy. all be all," but like it's he's really not. <laughs> He just yeah. kind of he gets them in their spots and he's like an engine. Thing. Yeah. But like if you watch them without him, it was like nothing changed. Like obviously they still need him, but I feel like he's overrated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is there is that there is that um there is that um group of fans that do overrate him to a to a degree. Um Next in the West, we do have the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. I mean, 20-2 and two without Ja Morant in the lineup, which is going to have a lot of people saying a lot of crazy takes, including myself, because I have an anti-Ja Morant agenda, which is looking really excellent right now. Yeah, just for like draft, draft position reasons, like the uh, person that was drafted after him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like looking at the, the Grizzlies, they are one of, if not the deepest team in the league, they are a model. I'm not going to say they are the model to follow, but they are a model to follow. If you are looking to build your team through the draft and like not really go all out for stars, um, team's been pretty built naturally. They drafted a lot of their main contributors, um, Jaron Jackson, Jr., John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Um, Zaire, Zaire, um, Williams, not Zaire Smith. Um, but, um, they made trades and acquired guys like Steven Adams and D'Anthony Melton. Um, Kyle Anderson was a free agent acquisition, I believe. And yeah, I mean, like their team has been built pretty naturally. And like, they've got like, they've got like third string guys that were just like going off against the Phoenix Suns the other day. And it was just like, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So like, this is just the team that they got. I mean, Tyus Jones is another um, free agent acquisition as well. 
Um, and he's been a solid backup guard for them. And yeah, I mean, they just built their team like a pretty organic way. And it's 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 sort of similar to um, like when the Warriors were coming onto the scene in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, where they had a naturally built squad and then they had their free agent acquisitions and like minor trade pieces that were key contributors as well. And then you kind of get that same feel with this Grizzlies team. Um, so we'll see how far they can get. I know a lot of people are like, they can be beat and they can be eliminated to at a certain point, but like similar to that 15 Warriors squad, they, that, that kind of caught a lot of teams off guard. We'll see how far this, um, Grizzlies team can get. I mean, they play at the pace of like the sixteen, seventeen Warriors when Ja's not playing. So like, who knows if like Ja ends up missing time in the postseason? Like, how far they'll get? But um, how do you feel about the Grizzlies? Um, I was high on them in the beginning of the season when everyone's like, "Oh, they're they're young, they're not going to do much." But I was like, "Why can't they win the West?" You know, I'm not saying they're front runners, but they just got a lot of talent. Um, they. They're not scared of anyone either. They don't play scared. I feel like their coach, um, Taylor Jenkins, deserves a lot more recognition for coach of the year than I feel like he gets absolutely no like recognition mm-hmm. when he should, considering his quote-unquote best player, John Morant's been out for a lot of games. Uh, Desmond Bain also most improved uh, candidate along with Ja. I mean, he's unreal. He's he's probably going to go down as like an all-time great three-point shooter, like honestly. I feel like Dylan Brooks kind of changed that. He's like an underrated guy who changed their culture, like well, they've always been like a gritty team over the years, but like beforehand when they went on that stretch of just sucking. Dylan Brooks kind of, you know, brought in the defensive mindset and he's just an annoying player, kind of like a Patrick Beverly type. So they always have that player to throw on guys like Devin Booker or Steph Curry or whoever just to annoy them and be a be a little pest. Plus they were kind of they were impressive last year um in the playoffs against the Jazz. I believe they won the first game. Yeah, they won the first game and they made it competitive for like a yeah, couple of the pretty, other games. It was a pretty competitive series. They just didn't you could tell like they were just too young and they didn't know what they were doing last year. But this year you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. has taken a step defensively. A lot of people are like, he should be in the Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I don't know about that, but... I mean, if you look solid. at his, like, steal and block numbers, I mean, yeah, they yeah. up there. He's... I mean, they're just a nice defensive team. When Jaws not on the court, I don't know if I'm playing, but... Um, they're well-rounded. They got DeAnthony Melton, too. Xavier Tillman. I don't know why Kyle Anderson sees the floor. That dude, dude, that dude's so slow. I He just reminds me of the Sixers when I'm watching, so I, that's why he pisses me off. Brandon Clark also, like. Man, I even mentioned Brandon it, but Clark's yeah, I mean, they got, so many, they got so many guys. Like, it's so hard to name all the players that they have. Yeah, my, yeah. Problem, my problem with Brandon Clark is he reminds me of Batiste Stiebel. And not, it's just like, because all he has is that floater. And I'm like, I wish Matisse Thibel could have that floater. Mm. But Matisse Thibel doesn't know how to dribble a basketball. So I'm just jealous of the Memphis Grizzlies is what I'm trying to say. 
I'm jealous for the fact that they let their they they they've they've allowed their young guys to grow. They see what they have in their players, and uh-huh. they've been able to make make decisions based on those um those players. Like again, I gotta reference my Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan. For anyone that's brand new listening, but my Knicks, I wish they would have done this this year. Um, let their young guys grow. See what they have in their young guys. I mean, it's a shame that we finally get to see what we have in our young guys. At the end of the season, when the games don't matter, and even then, the coach is still an idiot about who he wants to put on the floor. <laughs> I mean, Emmanuel quickly should be a starting point guard at this point in the season, but nope, got to have Alec Burks. But, you know, team like oh Memphis gets God. to do whatever they want, and my Knicks get to be pathetic. So, yeah, that's a vent about my Knicks for a quick minute, even though I said I didn't want to speak about the situation going on over there. But Oh, Steven Adams as well. I'm yeah, I mean, fit in this well. I was like, that's not gonna work, but yeah, I didn't think it was gonna work either. Man, I was, I was, I was, I will say this. I have to say, I will eat crow on um the Grizzlies because I, I I wasn't so harsh on them the way I was about the Bulls. Like I thought Memphis would have been like probably like a back half playoff team, like probably towards the plan area, but like when I was grading their off season, I was so low on their off season just because like. They acquired Jared Culver. They drafted Zaire Williams. Uh, they got Steven sure. Adams. And I was just like, what is this roster construction? But they've made it work because they got so many, they got so many pieces that they've drafted and developed that like they knew what they were doing. And like mm-hmm. credit to them for being able to um like accurately assess the situation that they had on their hands and um make the best team possible on the court because of that. So credit to them. Um, We do got the Warriors as the three seed. It's been a weird season for the Warriors. They kind of started off like super hot and like Steph was like basically the unanimous um, MVP candidate at a time. And then he fell off a cliff after the shooting slump and the Warriors kind of been in a weird up and down state. I mean, Draymond was out for a good portion of the year um clay has been weird and i have that in my notes in the fact that like there's games where he wants to dribble and isolate so much and it's like that's not your game clay like you're a spot-up guy like you're the guy that was famous for games with like 10 dribbles and like you have like 50 points or whatever it is so it's like it's very weird that clay came back and wanted to be like an iso dude um but like he's he's looked better as of late like he looks more in rhythm and i think that's part of like Draymond coming back and Draymond able to get him looks in the areas that he like likes to get his looks in, especially that jazz game that kind of like encapsulated like the Clay Thompson experience that we're used to where like he's coming off pin downs and like he's getting dribble handoffs and like going behind screens and doing one dribble and then like shooting contested threes in dudes faces. And, you know, it was good to see Clay do that and hopefully Clay returns to that. Um, going into the playoffs, so we'll see there. Um, what happens with Clay? Jordan Poole, though, is the story of this team. Um, him and Jonathan mm-hmm. Kuminga, two of the young guys on the Warriors that have looked the most NBA like. Like Kuminga's look so NBA ready, like more NBA ready than I anticipated with him. And Jordan Poole has like taken a crazy 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 leap i mean he's been like scoring like 20 straight for like the last month or so it is Mm -hmm. 
I mean, how do you feel about like Jordan Poole and like just the Warriors, I guess, in general? He's been unreal lately. He reminds me of Steph Curry. <laughs> the way he's coming off on those dribble handoffs, those illegal screens, you know. He's he's been hitting them. And um I think once Steph Curry comes back, Clay's gonna look even better. I think you're saying his ISO thing ISO game was kind of crazy when he came back. I think he was just trying to get back into rhythm, seeing mm-hmm. what he can and can't do, kind of just experimenting. Um, but if you look at his stats, like he's still shooting 37% from three. So yeah. if um, Steph and Draymond are back and Jordan Poole, I mean, sky's the limit for the Warriors. Plus they got like Gary Payton, who they have discovered can be a quality role player in, in spot minutes. Um, Jonathan Kaminga as well. He can lock up someone or just provide a lot of energy. Valencia has been sucking supposedly. Also, they got Juan Toscano Anderson, who they just kind of like stopped playing. But he's like, I would take him on the Sixers, you know, just a (laughs) hustle guy, can do the little things, shoot threes here and there, probably not make them, but he'll shoot them. And then Andre Godala has not been playing. I think he's washed, but still just another guy you could throw out there. But um, I think if you have Draymond, Jordan Poole, and Steph Curry, and then... Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> the all-star starter. Oh, man. Like, I think you should be fine. Like, you have a chance against any team. Now, Wiggins has been sucking ever since it's all-star not, I will say that. Yeah, he's been, he's been like, pathetic. And I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what they were thinking with that. That was crazy. I mean, that, that's, all, that's, all K, that's all K-pop. That's all them. They did, they're yeah. responsible for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Andrew Wiggins – part of the conundrum the confusing conundrum that the warriors are this year um was looking pretty good early on since has fallen off a cliff we'll see what happens in the playoffs i mean if i'm the warriors i'm looking at probably playing jordan Poole more minutes than him at this point which would be the logical thing to do Mm -hmm. um but heading down the standings you got at fourth the mavericks who have been kind of a sleeper team now as like a contender as, especially ever since the acquisitions of Dinwiddie and Bertans. I mean, once you get rid of Porzingis, you're kind of due for immediate success. <laughs> I mean, we kind of saw that with my Knicks. It took them a while to get that immediate success, but it, it happened. We we went to the playoffs like the year after we – a year and a half after we traded him, but, you know, it, it happened. So once you trade Porzingis, your team is kind of pretty clear of um, um any bad, any bad um, juju out there. Um, Dinwiddie yeah, the has vibe, the vibe seems way better. Oh yeah, for the sure. They, they definitely seem like they all like each other now, um, which definitely didn't seem like the case when Porzingis was there. Um, I mean, since Dinwiddie's been there, I mean they've been on a crazy tear. He's been on a crazy tear. It looked like he was just sandbagging in in Washington. Like he just didn't want to be there, especially after they told him to shut up on like the first day when he was trying to like be a leader and stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, mm. they've been they've been an interesting f- team to watch. They just beat the Bucks at the Bucks Arena the other day on Sunday, I believe it was. So, I mean, they are gearing up to look at a longer postseason run, and they have a favorable matchup in the first round if things um shake out the way they are right now with one Utah Jazz team who has been a very interesting team to say the least. Um. 
blowing leads like crazy, especially the most notable one to the Clippers. Um, they were up by like 27, I want to say, at, in that game. They lost that game. They've been playing pretty pathetically against like any team that can catch them during this stretch. Um, oh, yeah, they blew a lead to the Warriors, who I was speaking about when Clay and Jordan Poole just went unconscious in that fourth quarter. They allowed an 18-0 run to the to the Warriors. Um, and, yeah, it's just been really ugly. One interesting stat to come from this whole season is um, Donovan Mitchell is averaging 2.3 passes a game to Rudy Gobert. A game. Passes. <laughs> not assists. Passes. And, I mean, you just take that for what you will. We already know the vibes were off between those two ever since the COVID incident. And ever since then, it's just been real nasty between those two. They obviously don't like each other. This Jazz team is obviously on the brink of probably being broken up this offseason. How are you feeling about the Jazz, especially heading into a potential first-round matchup with the Mavericks? Yeah, they Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell don't like each other. So, I mean... It's pretty clear, and it's going to be hard to win with that. And I don't know, Rudy. Like everyone's like pass the ball to Rudy Gobert, but like there's games where he just misses easy layups. So like I understand why Mike Conley or the guards would be, you know, in a critical situation, they would be reluctant to pass to Rudy Gobert on a switch. Like everyone on NBA Twitter is like, oh, just just make the pass, make the pass, but like. What does Rudy Gobert have anything in his bag besides like a a turnaround dunk to make you confident that he's going to take advantage of that? Like, of course, there's games like yesterday where he put up 22 and 20 where they actually passed him the ball and he showed he showed out. But like it's Rudy Gobert at the end of the day. He's not an offensive guru with footwork. He's not he's not um he's not DeAndre Aiden either, where he has an unstoppable hook shot. So it's like, I see it both ways. They got to feature Rudy Gobert more, but at the same time, it's like I understand why the guards are like, eh, I'm good. I'm good. But I always felt like they shot way too many three-pointers as a team, and they're, I don't know, they're just, they're not that good. They They rely on Rudy Gobert to bail them out all the time. Yep, that's that's true because Bogdanovich sucks at defense. Royce O'Neal, I mean, is fine. Donovan Mitchell is not a great defender. Mike Conley is like 45 years old. And then Jordan <laughs> Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson probably averages like 90 dribbles every six minutes at this point, right? That dude just <laughs> dribbles. The, he's, he dribbles so much. Yeah. So he, and he sucks defensively. And then they got Hassan Whiteside as a backup center. So it's like. Rudy Gay still in the league? They got yep. Rudy Gay still? That dude's still in the league? That's crazy. Yeah, they play him. He, yeah, this, he's, this team is done. Him and Daniel, him, him and Daniel House, they've been they've like taken minutes away from um Pasco. So yeah, that's been the situation. Oh, also, if the, you, also teams will just foul Rudy Gobert if they and then he'll go like one of two from the line because he's what's his percentage at the line? Like fifty percent, I'm guessing sixty. Um, Definitely not a good foul shooter. Let me check it out right now. Oh, he's actually sixty nine percent. 
Not bad, yeah, not bad. Not too bad for a big. But yeah. That form is disgusting though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean, moving down to um others um spots in the West. We'd have the Nuggets featuring the MVP Jokic. Um interesting team there as well. I don't want to get too much into them just because like like they're missing like they're missing Murray and MPJ and it's like I don't really expect much from them in the playoff setting really. Um mm-hmm. they do have some interesting um they do have an interesting player in Bones Highland who can like get hot and change the face of a game that way. So that's going to be interesting to see in the playoffs. Yep. And he's been like, he's just been a fun player to watch in general. Yeah, he um, is fun. I wanted the Sixers to draft him, but they took him before we had a chance. And then we drafted Jaden freaking Springer. <laughs> who's um Who's been in the G League, right? Yeah. He's been dominating, but I feel like every player dominates in the G League. Yeah, I mean we have we have on on my Knicks uh, Miles McBride who um who dominates the G League and I'm not saying like like he's obviously like ready for the NBA. He just like the way we the way we, we um we utilize him, I just don't think is like the best way as of yet, which is okay because mm-hmm. like he's still like growing as an NBA player, so I don't mind it. But like I just wanted to see him play. Yeah, yeah. Um, so playing. Before we get into, because we we do, I do want to get into some some awards. Before we get into the, the awards, though, I do have to, we do have to talk about the plan. It's been a very interesting situation. Lakers just got eliminated from the plan yesterday. Talk about a team with high expectations of falling flat on their face. I mean, just a embarrassing, just embarrassing situation from a team featuring um, three stars. I would say, if that's what you count Russ at this stage in his career again <laughs> but um yeah i mean three stars and i mean a whole bunch of guys who signed minimum contracts to ring chase and can't even get into the plan to have a chance to ring chase so i mean i thought the the lakers would struggle this year and like i constantly called them like a, a first or second round out on twitter before the season started but man I did not see them being eliminated from the play-in tournament. Like that is just something that was not on my bingo sheet. Uh, how do you feel about the Lakers this year? I mean, they're pretty embarrassing. They don't play any defense. <laughs> LeBron doesn't play any defense. And then, like midway through the season, LeBron was just like, ah, "I'm going to go for the scoring title to keep my name relevant." And then everyone ate it up, even though he was putting up um, pointless numbers. And, of course, guys like Zach Lowe were going, oh, he's got to be first-team All-NBA. And I'm like, why, why is Bradley Beal not first-team All-NBA last year for leading the league in scoring on a trash Wizards team? But now this year, because LeBron has a name and a resume, he's got to be first-team All-NBA um, in front of more deserving guys like Devin Booker. Like, come on now. Someone like that. So it's just they were just a bad team. I mean Russell Westbrook next to LeBron, are you kidding me? Anyone anyone with a brain questioned it from the start. Now yeah. missing the play in, I mean that had to do with injuries and stuff like that. But even even if they were healthy, they would be like a 
six to eight seed. You know, they would still have to earn their way into the playoffs. Yeah, it wouldn't have been easy for him. It would not have been easy for him at all. Um, and I mean, like, um, with, um, with, yeah, again, like with Westbrook and LeBron, that fit was absolutely abysmal. Like, I just don't know how. It's funny because, like, in the in the bubble, in the bubble playoffs, the Lakers, the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis, left Westbrook wide open. They knew he was a I know. deficiency on that end, and they still managed to be like, all right, let's just cash in all our assets for Russell Westbrook. And, Crazy. man, Russell Westbrook's shooting has fallen off a cliff since then. It's just like, it's it's crazy. I mean. It's bad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't want to spend any much more time talking about the Lakers because they have just been that <laughs> bad this season. Um, I do want to talk about some other teams that are in the plan that um, have been very interesting. We do have the Timberwolves and the Clippers at seven and eight. Um, the Clippers they are just now getting Paul George back, and they've getting they are getting Norman Powell back today. So that's going to be very interesting to see how they play against the Timberwolves in that that seven eight matchup. Um, I mean, the Clippers they they Ty Lue's one thing that he's always going to do is have his his guys compete, and um. He got this Clippers team competing. I mean, the 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 amount of comebacks that they've made this year. I mean, the two most notable ones are against the Jazz, which happened like last week, and with um the um the Wizards earlier this year. I mean, they are always in a game. Like you can never count them out. So that's one thing. Um, and then with the Timberwolves, I mean. Shout out to them for getting to the playoffs or getting to this 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 point where they can compete for the playoffs. Um, because I mean, even after last year, they didn't really look like a team that was going to be this close, I guess. Like, but they made the right um acquisitions, they got the right people um to to surround um Kat and Anthony Edwards, and they've they've made it work, and they got a legit chance to make the playoffs because they actually have a really good team. And I mean, they are so far ahead of most teams in the plan that they should not have to be in the plan. And I think that's one thing that needs to be tweaked about the plan in future years because they are they are they are good enough to be like a six or fifth seed in in most years. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean. If they're that good, they should be able to beat the Clippers and hang on to that seven seed. But we'll see. Um, and then the plan and with with nine and ten, I feel like if the Dejounte Murray is still out with illness, I feel that um, the Pelicans will take care of business. Since they got CJ McCollum, they've been on a pretty good tear. Um, Jose Alvarado has been a pretty good defensive young guard for them and Jackson Hayes has finally shown um that he has talent in the NBA. So that's that's got to be encouraging for the Pelicans fans. How are you feeling about the whole playing outlook in the West? Um I'm excited to see the Clippers and T-Wolves matchup um because I think the Clippers are just a fun team to watch, interesting team because they always play hard and 
just random guys go off. Luke Kennard can go off. Um, Terrence Mann, Paul George, you know. So they're just a fun team, and they play really hard. And Ty Lue's one of the best coaches in the league. And if they get Kawhi Leonard back, which is supposedly he's doing some basketball activity, they low-key would be like one of the scariest seventh or eighth seeds of all time. So I don't know, because they just made the conference finals without Kawhi for the second round and third round. So I don't know. I would not want to – if I'm the Suns, I would rather, you know, face anyone but the Clippers – T-Wolves would be annoying as well because they just got a lot of talent. And Cat, I feel like Cat is like two or three years away from making that like MVP step. He reminds me of like a young Joel Embiid who's not like mature in terms of basketball. He doesn't really know how to win yet. Um, And he's, he's just honing his craft. And once he like get some playoff experience and once he fails a bit in the playoffs I feel like that's really going to help him out because if you watch him talk he's so immature <laughs> he sounds like like a 16 year old when he talks no offense to cat but I feel like once he matures like he has so much talent I feel like he's going to be an MVP candidate down the road that's like I just just from watching Embiid's like growth as a player like a couple of years ago, they were like, oh, Bam out of bio or Joel Embiid. And it, it was kind of fair it was because Joel Embiid was kind of going downhill. But like seeing seeing how he's developed, and it seems like Kat has a great work ethic as well, and his skill set is unreal. I don't know. That's like my prediction. Like he's going to be an MVP candidate one day. I could see it. But like, yeah, I mean, Kat, he's always going to have that like, ah. Uh, it's always it's it's always hard for me to talk about Cat because it's like I always see him as a guy that got like sunned in that playoff series against Capella, and it's yeah. like always hard for me to like look past that. So we'll see, we'll see. I always sure, man, he's and kind not of a, and, and not be soft. Soft, yeah, he's soft. Like if he ever like grows a pair, then we're talking. <laughs> yeah, but. Till then, we'll see. The playing e- race in the in the West is not as interesting, I, I think, as as the playing race in the East. East, you got four teams neck and neck: Cavs, Nets, Hawks, Hornets. I mean, legitimately, you can have any outcome you could think of, honestly. Because like, I hope it, the Nets get the hell out of the playoffs. That would be <laughs> hilarious. I mean, like you got um. You you got like one game, one game like March Madness esque feel to these games where it's like one game and you're out, except for like the chance of like because if you win the nine ten, then you face the loser of seven eight. So like the loser of seven eight still gets a chance, but like after that, it's winner take all, and like those type of games, anything can happen. Like who knows. Cavs could end up beating the Nets in that first game. And in the next game, like the Hawks, if they face up with the Nets, the Hawks could beat the Nets. That's not out of the realm of possibility. So, like, it opens up all these interesting possibilities. I mean, the Cavs, they probably wish they weren't in the situation. But, you know, unfortunately, due to injury, this is where they are. 
I mean, they've endured a lot with Colin Sexton going down early in the year, Darius Garland's emergence. I mean, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen dealing with injuries throughout various parts of the season. I mean, to still be within the playing race is like still something, but like, man, they have been through a lot of injuries and they probably would have been a higher seed if they didn't have to go through all these injuries, but you know. It is, it is what, it, what is. it is. It is what it is. I mean, they're they're probably happy to still be at this point because they've been a lottery team for the better part of a decade without LeBron James. So this is a step in the right direction for them. For the Nets, man, I was lo- again another team I was low on, but man, I did not think they were going to be this low. I mean, with James Harden sink- stinking it up and sandbagging it for a, a good amount of games. With Kyrie not being available for half the season, and then even when he came back, he still wasn't available right away for every single game. With trading for Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons not being able to play, with Kevin Durant going out with injuries, man, I did not see all this coming. But, I mean, with the Nets, they just don't have that type of luck. So, like, you kind of had to see it coming. Like, it is what it is at this point with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, how you feeling about, I guess the Nets and the Cavs? Uh, the Nets, dude, the Nets, like, they're not even like a team. Like they should, they should be a disgrace to the NBA because they have no culture. Like, what even are they? They don't have any fans. Like, let's be honest. Like who cares about them (laughs) besides Katie and Kyrie? Like I, they're they're like the opposite of what the NBA should be, you know. Like every other team has like a story behind them or like a culture they they have, um, you know, got through the adversity and stuff like that. While the Nets, they just got KD, just got Kyrie, and then it's just a bunch of scraps that don't matter that no one cares about, <laughs> and and they're still talked about like every day because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie. But if you go to their home game, half the fans are from the other team. Or if it's like a popular, you know, fan base like the Knicks or the Sixers, they get their home stadium taken over. Plus their home court is like the ugliest home court I've ever seen. Every time I watch that, I get depressed looking at that dark court. I just hate the Nets like because they they're there's just they they're not they're a disgrace to sports because sports is all about like you know, the fan base and passion. And there's no passion from like Kevin Durant or Kyrie. Like there's no family in that team. There's no culture. You know what I'm saying? Am I crazy? No, nah, you're not crazy, man. I hate the Nets too. So I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. So like I have even more of a right to like be able to hate them just because like, I'm from sickens, there. So. It sickens me. It sickens me listening to their fan base talk about them because i'm like how do you even like your team it just randomly appeared you didn't like build any you didn't there's no like um draft guy they drafted there's no rj barrett there's no joel Embiid. it's just kevin durant and a bunch of nobodies really (laughs) yeah i mean with the nets their team i'm always praying on their downfall just because (laughs) They they, they took over they took over where I where I where I where I lived. Um they kind of like transplanted themselves there. Um 
they feel so they feel like inorganic and like yes they feel inorganic yeah. they don't feel right. like a natural a natural team that has just like that has built something throughout the years and like they just feel like something that just transplanted and grew they feel like because an of outside plan. yeah um yeah and just I, I just i just don't mess with that vibe um like if they I won mean, a championship who like would there even yeah, no be a parade care. no one no one would care no one would care if, if they won or not it sounds so, like uh, the kd stands and Kyrie. Does, yeah do Kyrie stands even exist they do sadly they but um yeah sadly they do but yeah i mean with 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 the nets i mean they aren't unlikable. They aren't. Unlikable. They they aren't. They're very unlikable. But they aren't expected to do much this year. I don't think. I mean, even with Katie and and Kyrie. I mean, with Ben Simmons being out, um, with oh, everything that's that. transpired, with everything that's transpired, um, this year with them, I just don't think that a lot of people are like super high on them, unless they're facing a a, a Heat in the first round, which I still don't think they really have that much of an upper edge against, but like, we'll see. We'll see with the Hawks and the the Hornets, man, the Hawks, they are a funny team. Um, After last year's success, a lot of people who are super high on them, it's just funny to see them come back to earth, Um, which I kind of predicted, but like, I also was like not super low on them either, where I thought they would still be like a decent playoff team. And it that's just not been the case. Uh, Nate McMillan's kind of shown his his Nate McMillan ways. The fans are, haven't been happy with him. And like they like the guys that they surrounded Trey. I mean, granted they've dealt with injury with John Collins and like some other guys. Um, but I mean they really haven't. They really haven't like the the surrounding pieces haven't really been playing at that super high level like they were last year. And I mean, yeah. And with the Hornets, I mean, the Hornets are the Hornets. They're always a mid team, so it's like it's what you kind of expect with the Hornets. I'm not really gonna speak much on them. I mean, Lamelo's exciting, but other than that, I mean, their team is very weird. Like even betting on their player props for their team is super weird because you never know who's gonna go off for them. So yeah, yeah. How you feel about how you feel about that that grouping of teams? Uh, the Hawks, I mean, they were overrated. I remember everyone's like, how could you have the Hawks at the eighth seed when I made my standing predictions? Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, the Sixers literally lost that series. That was a storyline. The Hawks didn't win it. The Sixers lost that series by just being the Sixers. So, And then uh, it's like their offense is all Trey Young, and it's just all Trey Young. That's pretty much it. And there's not enough pieces around them. They don't play good enough defense. That being said, though, in a one-off March Madness type of game, Trey Young would be annoying because they're just going to spam pick and rolls all damn day. So they could pretty much beat anyone in that in those four teams. So they they're probably still going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I would if I if if I were to put money in it, I'd probably say they they get out of there too. Um, it's just a matter of who goes home between the Nets, the Cavs, and the Hornets, and that's where it gets really interesting. And I will probably do a separate pod, probably previewing the play-in 
where I do get more in depth in each matchup because this was like a little brief run through. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's get to the the nitty gritty awards. So I put in a four leg parlay of basically who I think has like a pretty de- good chance um, of winning awards, and I put this in just a couple days ago. Um, it's probably not gonna really. Um, it's probably not really gonna occur. Because you know it's so late in the season, but like these are like some of the juiciest odds that I liked. Um, MVP, Giannis. That's my favorite for MVP. Um, Rookie of the year, Cade Cunningham. I feel like he's had a pretty great stretch of a season. Um, I would, again, for me, all of these awards except for Sixth Man of the Year are super hard to just decide on. So I went for me when I chose these, I was going with what odds I thought looked the best, along with what player I thought like matched with those odds, like kind of correlated, like how well of a chance though I think does it have. Um so Rookie Air K Cunningham, I would not be mad if someone had um Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes. I feel like those are also great candidates for those awards. Tyler Hero, I think, is pretty much the lock at this point for Sixth Man of the Year. Um, yeah, he's pretty much locked the award up. I mean, they he's coming off the bench, but he plays like starter minutes. He jumps like 25 off the bench most nights, so it's like pretty much a lock. No real much analysis needs to be said for that award, so I won't even discuss it um, sure. with you. Um, and Jordan Poole for most improved player. I mean, I know like like this is probably recency bias with his latest stretch. But I feel like overall for this season, he's had a pretty good season. Um, and he's pretty much improved all across the board. And I put 25 cents on this parlay to win $900. So probably not a good chance that it's going to hit. The only leg that probably hits is probably Tyler Hero, maybe Kate Cunningham. But, um, yeah, let's go into discussing some awards. Um, and then we'll head out of here. So for MVP, who, who do you got for your, your favorite for MVP? Uh, I got uh, Joel Embiid. You know, obviously, I got to be biased here. Um, but I don't know. I think he deserves it. I really do. Um, Giannis probably would be my – well, I don't know. I think Giannis kind of coasted, like, the first, like, two months. So, I feel like – I don't know. I, I, th- I don't think Giannis needs the MVP. Like, he's already he's already going to be an all-time great probably top five or whatever with the pace he's on. So I feel like he doesn't need the award. So like, I don't know. I'm just being a fair guy here. And I think Jokic <laughs> and Embiid should be top two, but what Embiid did in early half in the year, like with Seth Curry as his second option. And then Tobias Harris forgetting how to play basketball. And also like everyone's like really recently Embiid's been falling, but like, because he hasn't been winning key games or whatever. But then, like, if you go back a month ago, he dropped 42 against the Bucks without, and this is when the trade happened, so without James Harden, without Andre Drummond or Seth Curry, he dropped 42 points on the Bucks, and, like, barely anyone talks about that. So I feel like Giannis kind of just came into things. Like, he's been balling all year, but it really has been Jokic and MB that the media has been talking about. So I feel like it's one of those two, but... Embiid has had a more impressive season in my eyes, um, but that's just me being biased. So, yeah. 
And like I said, with all these awards, it's like super tricky because like every night someone is like one upping the other player. Um, like these guys, they are like especially in that month of March when like everyone was just going crazy scoring, like it just looked like and even now it's still a toss up for me for MVP. Like most of the awards they are really toss ups. I mean, right now if you go on FanDuel, the betting favorite um right now is Jokic with Joel Embiid close second. You have Giannis, Devin Booker, Luca, and then John Morant at sixth at plus eighteen eighteen thousand betting odds. So I mean, yeah, it's it, for me. It's a toss up between like Jokic, Embiid, um, Giannis, tossing. You could toss in Devin Booker. You could toss in Jason Tatum. Like for me, it's it's a toss up with all those guys. Um, they've all had remarkable seasons. They've all had um, key seasons for their teams. They've been all con- key contributors to winning in one way or another. They've all had pretty. They've all had like, I'd say top five level NBA seasons this year, and you could argue like those five or those like those yeah those five you can make an argument for them to be part of the All NBA First Team as well. So like, you you could like anyone could make any case to me for any one of those top five guys, and I'd probably say yeah sure why not? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Cause like this year MVP is just that like it's just that tough. Cause like. That's just the way things have, that's just the way the ball's rolled. And I mean, it's good to have a league where like the MVP isn't like something that is like predetermined. Like it's something that like, even going into this last week, it's like, hey, you can make an argument for Devin Booker or Jason Tatum and it's a solid argument. And that's what's good about the league to be in this place. Yeah, there's a lot of parody. Yeah. And um, moving on to um, Rookie of the Year, I think this is a really fun award. Somehow, wow, Scott, I mean, Kate Cunningham is like even dropped even further in the odds. When I got him in my parlay, it was at plus 750. Now he's at plus 900. So the, the books do not think Kate Cunningham has a chance at all in this earth to get rookie of the year. Um, I feel I feel like he's had a pretty good rookie season. I mean, he kind of started off slow, which kind of hurt his case a little bit because he was injured and then he had to come back from injury and like ramp up. But I feel like overall, even still then, even still from then, he's had a pretty good season. I mean, kind of hurts that guys like Cade, I mean, not Cade, but guys like Scotty and Evan Mobley are on playoff teams, and they've been key contributors to those playoff teams for a good majority of the year. So I understand those cases. Um, I just liked what Cade was doing, especially towards the end of the season. I mean, it's, it's, it's more of like a late push and more of probably like a recency bias thing for me, maybe. But yeah, um, who would you like for um, rookie of the year? Uh, I think Scotty Barnes should get it, just because um, you know they're the fifth seed and he's he has a real impact on that team. Cade definitely should get second, in my opinion. I think Evan, Evan Mobley's. I don't know, like I feel like that archetype is getting a little overrated in a, a bit. Like, people are saying Chet Holmgren, whatever, should be, like, a lottery pick, and that's cool. But, like, I feel like those types of guys are getting a bit overrated because 
a lot of their success offensively depends on the guard they're playing with. Mm. And I know defensively, Evan Mobley is a beast, but Jared Allen is also like, you know, key for the Cavs. So I, I think I think I think offensively, um, Evan Mobley just does probably a little bit more too. Like, yeah, yeah, his face up game and even his ability to stretch the floor, even though it's not like a consistent thing yet. But I feel like even just from there, he's been able to impact the game. But like like I said, with, even with rookie of the year, again. You could tell me Scotty, you could tell me Evan Moby, you could tell me Cade. I'd probably agree with you on either front if you present a good argument cuz like I feel like it's just been neck and neck between those three. Um there's been yeah, like yeah. many stretches throughout the season where like Franz had like had a pretty good surge at one point and like there were some other guys like Josh Giddy had a pretty good stretch in the season. But yeah, I mean like those three have been like the three mainstay names throughout the whole thing and like at this point, it seems like it's probably um, Evans or Scotty's to lose at this point because right now, Evan is actually the betting favorite at minus two twenty on wow. the books. Yeah, the books are really loving Evan Mobley for rookie of the year. I might hop on the Scotty train. <laughs> yeah, he's at plus one eighty. So you, nice. yeah, you get some good value there if you think that he'll get the award, which is. Pretty good, pretty good, um, pretty good bet to make, I'd say. Um, most improved player. This one is a funny one because the books do not agree with what most people say. So the betting favorite is John Morant at minus nine hundred. But he's been most, injured a lot. But most people say he's not the most improved player because he was already already a good player. He was already expected to be this good. So like where's the improvement? As in as like the case would probably be for a DeJounte Murray or a Jordan Poole or even a Darius Garland. They've they've Yeah, Darius Garland's solid. like a lot of people think those guys have a better case for for most improved player, and I, I and I definitely agree with them. I mean, for me, I personally have Jordan Poole. I like um, the steps that I've seen him make all year. Like even since preseason, I saw like I saw the most improved player jump, and he was my preseason favorite for most improved player. So I've kind of, I'm just kind of sticking with my guy there, and he's kind of proved me right in that sense. Um. I know people will probably say it's recency bias because, you know, he's been hooping like crazy as of late, but he's also been pretty good the whole year too. So there's that. He's at plus 6,500. So books do not think Jordan Poole has a good chance. Miles Bridges, who had a great case earlier on, but kind of fell off later on in the year, is higher than him at plus 2,200. So, yeah. Uh, who who do you have for most improved player? Because I feel like this is a very this has been a very interesting award for NBA fans to debate this year. Let's say um, Darius Garland. Uh, see, yep. yeah, I mean, fine. yeah, I mean, I would and not disagree Tyrese, with you there. Tyrese Maxey deserves some love, but they don't give second year guys. Yeah, it's kind of like a de- it's like kind of a by default thing. I mean, it's like. He went it's from like, 30% to 43% from three. 
Yeah. I don't know. So I just had to shout out my boy Tyrese Maxey because I never seen anything like it. He's at plus Especially with 8, ben Simmons in the books. <sighs> Disrespect. No. And for Nay Simons, too. Um, if they didn't shut him down, he probably would have got it, to be honest. Probably. Because he's been like, he's been going, he was going crazy before he got, um, he got shut down. But yeah, I mean, well, with second year players, it's like this. It's like, hey, you're expected to improve, improve because oh, you got I get that. Yeah, it's 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 such a weird thing, but like that type of improvement is not really seen from um guys like um Maxi from year one to year two. So yeah, even Desmond Bain should be thrown in there. Yeah, Desmond Bain is there. Also, he is at plus thirty six hundred. Um. Higher than Tyrese Maxey. Um, He's another second-year guy, though, right? Yeah. I don't know what they got against second-year guys. Yeah, second-year guys not getting any love. it should be an award for the second-year guys. Right? I mean, yeah. But it's like they also are like, hey, you're expected to improve from year one to year two. So it's like. Yeah, but a lot of players don't. True. Like it's some a very just go it's from a, five to nine points. That's like most rookies, unless you're like Job ja Morant. You yeah, know? it's 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 a very weird award to gauge. Um, it's so it's weird that like people think John ja Morant is the favorite, or at least the betting the betting uh, um the sports books thinks that he's the favorite because most fans would be like, hey, it's Darius Garland, or it's Dejounte Murray, or it's Jordan Poole, or it's Tyrese Maxey. So again. A lot of parody in the NBA. For sure. Darius Garland deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't argue with you there either. And, like, there's a lot of parody in the NBA this year, like, with even just not just the teams, but, like, awards, as you can see. Like, usually each, like, for the past two, two to three years that I've been doing this podcast, I usually have a firm candidate for each award. And, like, I do have a firm candidate for each award, but it's, like, I am not so adamant on my stance as I was in years past. Like the years past, I'll be like, this is the guy who I think deserves it 1000%. And there is no, like, there's no way you can sway me off of this guy. This year, it's like, eh, you could probably sway me off this guy. Like, it's just like that, like, everybody has a great case this year, I think. Like, it's just been that kind of year for the NBA, which is kind of good in the sense where, like, it allows for more discussions to be had, I believe, between fans. Mm-hmm. So that way, like, like one guy isn't really dominating every single competi- conversation. Yep. That makes sense. And for Defensive Player of the Year, I did not have a pick, actually. I did not put a pick in my parlay. I got Mikel Bridges. For me, I would say probably Jaron Jackson Jr. That's just. Fair. Just because, like, he plays kind of like the the starting center and the backup center role for the Grizzlies, and like just like seeing his defensive numbers this year, they've really popped out to me. And I saw firsthand impact of firsthand. <laughs> I saw firsthand his defensive impact um, change the face of a game when watching my Knicks play against his Grizzlies. So we, my Knicks were up in Memphis 
and the fourth quarter rolls around and we could not get anything on in the paint on Jaron Jackson Jr. Like even shots that he wasn't blocking, he was still deterring with like just his presence at the rim. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, like he's definitely on my radar for defensive player of the year. And since then, he's kind of been like the guy that I kind of chose to be defensive player of the year. Like I'm not really so firm on him. Like you could tell me a Macau Bridges or a Bam or a Marcus Smart or a Robert Williams. You could tell me any of those guys. And I feel like Draymond Green probably would have had a better um, chance if he wasn't yeah. hurt the whole year. But he I would have gave it to Draymond if he was if he played more, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, like, we saw Draymond's impact early in the season when he was um when he was healthy. I mean, it was just, like, something that we had never seen before. Like, the guy that's not even, like, seven feet having such an impact um, on, like, the paint for, um, for a team like that and him being able to dictate where players need to be on defense to be able for the defense to run at a well-oiled like a well-oiled machine and like if he had played more i definitely would have probably gave Draymond my vote as well because like he just had that impact but he just didn't play enough games to qualify for me at least um but those keeping track um the betting favorite is marcus smart at minus 140 for defensive player of the year which is very interesting because it is rare that you see a guard the favorite to win defensive player of the year. Um, and this would probably be the first guard since like MJ or like Gary Payton or something like that. So that would be very interesting to see if Gary um, if Marcus Smart gets um, defensive player of the year. Um, but yeah, you said you have Macau Bridges for defensive player of the year. Yep. And yeah, I can't even fault you there. Cause I mean, he's, he's like one of the anchors for a really good Phoenix Suns team defensively. Um, and yeah, I mean, like even with Marcus Smart, the argument for him being there is like he is a great perimeter defender for the um, Boston Celtics, and he is a gr- a big reason as to why they are the defensive team that they are, as well as um, Robert Williams, who is also a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. So yeah, I mean, just. This year is just there's just a lot of parody with these awards, man. It's just like nothing can really there's nothing that's really tying me down to any specific candidate. So like you won't see a lot of arguments out of me this time when the awards roll around. Especially since there's like no guys that I hate either. So that helps things. No Jim Hardens in the award. Yep, no Jim Hardens in the award, so um yeah, but any closer remarks, Romp, before we head out of here? Um, I think Embiid should be top five defensive player of the year, but I just wanted to because he's underrated in that regard because he doesn't give full effort because he's got to score like 30 a game. So I my biased self had to get that in there. I couldn't contain myself. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't blame you. Like, I mean, defensively though, he does like seem a step slower this year, and I feel like like you said, that's oh, yeah. probably he, due to the he takes plays off. Yeah, that's due to the offensive load. And I, I've so seen my the own Cavs the other day. Like when he's locked in, oh my god. Yeah, I've I've seen my own share of like a guy taking more offensive load. His defensive 
um stuff look a little worse like um, my guy RJ Barrett on the Knicks, he's taken more of an offensive um, workload as the season has waned on, and as a result of that, I think his defense has taken a step down. So, yeah. it's hard yeah. to it's hard to score twenty five and play defense. Yeah, I mean we're asking like guys to like guard the best opposing player at that position on on the other team, as well as like be the main offensive hub. It's a lot. And, you know, guys have to learn to balance that. And we'll see throughout the years. Like, we'll see next year if, if like, Philly can get a better balanced defensive roster get around Embiid that he won't have to do so much. Um, and, and, and balanced offensively, too, so he doesn't have to do so much. And, you know, hopefully for my guy, RJ, they can do the same thing for him as well. So we will see. Um yes, sir. Thank you, Rob, for hopping on with me, chopping it up for almost two hours, talking NBA basketball, getting my... Knicks are cooking the Nets right now. I I hope so, because I have to talk about them in like... They're they're down by two, but it's... Oh, I have to talk about them in like two hours, which I do want to plug. Make sure you tune into the Strickland post-game shows on YouTube at the Strickland YouTube channel. I will leave a link to that in the description. That is where I've been doing most of my NBA content as of late. Um, just doing a whole lot of post games, following Knicks games. If you want to hear me like shit on the Knicks, which is what I do a lot over there because they piss me off a lot because the coach is a, a bumbling idiot. So if you do want to hear me talk about the Knicks in way more depth and with way more comedic um musings as well make sure you check out that link in the description romp do you have anything to plug as we head out of here uh sixers talk with romp and that's pretty much all playoff time soon so yep and get disappointed (laughs) and as the playoffs roll around i will try my best to upload more consistently i will definitely get more guests on here to chop up whatever playoff matchups go on uh within that week and, you know, just break down what's going on in the NBA around that time. Um, I definitely will try to get some playing content going as well. Um, just, you know, just trying to be more consistent as I make some more time for um, some NBA content creation. You know, playoffs are a great time to get back into the form. Um, those that were listeners earlier on in this this run know that I can be super consistent with two episodes a week if i want to so i'm trying to get back to that timing i I promise i will um in the meantime you got this hour almost two hour long episodes to really hear my thoughts me and rom's thoughts on um the nba so far and you know as the nba playoffs went on i will definitely get more thoughts out there so thank y'all for listening make sure y'all check out all the links in the description i'll have all the links to everything that needs to be um there including strickland youtube channel sixers talk with rom all that good stuff and we out of here peace